This is the Annex Wealth Management SWAT Podcast, and it's episode 53, May 30th. Welcome. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats from the Annex Wealth Management Investment Committee. Joining us today, Jason Cooper, Research Analyst. Hello. Hey, Danny. And first time on the podcast, Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome. Oh, it's wonderful to be here. This is my inaugural visit to the SWAT podcast, and so this is a lot of fun for me. It's great to be here with Jason. I want to just cover a little bit about the economic picture, because I think most people are interested in what in the world is going on with artificial intelligence and what does it mean for the markets. So from kind of a strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats perspective with the econ data, one of the biggest strengths, in my opinion, has been the deal that we got between McCarthy and Biden about the debt ceiling. Obviously a strength, people have been worried about that. A threat though is this still has to go through the sausage factory of the legislative process, right? It's probably gonna pass the house, but will it actually hit a filibuster wall in the Senate? So Jason, I don't know if you have any kind of take on this as far as sitting in a more from that analyst perspective about anything that this debt ceiling deal might mean or might not mean for the markets? Well, it seems like it's going to decrease the level of uncertainty. And from a forecasting perspective, it'll allow analysts to focus more on what businesses are thriving this in this environment versus having to understand, as you, as you called it, the sausage factory of D.C. Now, honestly, though, how much did this debt ceiling debacle matter to you when you're thinking about valuing companies? Well, we try to value companies over the long term. So gyrations from the government tend to not impact the business unless that business is highly dependent on government for their funding. Do you have any like highlights about any areas that are like the first things that kind of come to my mind when I think about it from just a pure like economics perspective, looking at the government's budget, it'd be like, well, you know, healthcare companies, you've got government contractors, defense, and then obviously people were probably a little worried about social security payments, things like that. Uh, But from the businesses, did you see anything in the markets that were notable as far as reactions to any time that it looked like they were further away from a deal versus when they're getting closer to it? Well, in general, we've been noticing weakness across the healthcare sector, and that could have been from concerns pertaining to uh, slashed funding. But we think it was really just a rotation from maybe a risk-off asset to risk-on. Yeah, and speaking of rotation from risk-off, risk-on, and maybe back again, there were some big market moves last week. Would you mind digging in a little bit about what happened in the markets last week? Sure. So I I think that's a great opportunity to turn to strengths. And the biggest strength over the last week was NVIDIA. And NVIDIA surged on its earnings announcement. And they basically increased the revenue guidance, I think it was from 8 8-ish billion in Q2 to 11 billion. And what that did was it fed through to analyst estimates and you saw analyst estimates increase by 70%. And then the future growth rate of the earnings also increased by almost 100%. So this was a high growth company that now became, according to the analysts, a hyper high growth company. (laughs) And what that does to the valuation of the business, you, you value a high or hyper growth business, not just on its price to earnings, but the growth rate of that business. And it made the company, from our perspective, go from looking aggressively valued to almost conservatively valued, which was very surprising. We had Derek Felsky standing behind me while I updated the model. 
and we just both couldn't believe what the guidance did to our valuation. Did you see that in just NVIDIA or was there some sort of like spillover effect to other, let's say, semiconductor companies or maybe people who buy semiconductors uh, or maybe somebody whose lunch is going to be eaten (laughs) by uh, NVIDIA or AI? Well, it was a broad-based rally across not just semiconductors, but semi-equipment and then data center companies, cloud companies, really anyone that's tangential to artificial intelligence caught a bid. And then the NVIDIA earnings were followed by Marvel Technology. And we had some data on that. Even though Marvel only beat by two cents or about 7%, their forward guidance was that their exposure to AI would go from about 3% of the business to 15% within 12 months. So they're basically highlighting a massive growth trajectory for them. And they, I think they rallied about 40% last week on that news. Anybody who got crushed by the news? The only, th- we've seen a couple companies that have gotten crushed. The, the number one that we've kind of been joking about is Chegg, which is a, a online assistant for, you know, helping students with homework. Ah, yes. And that's been a, a process for really the entirety of the year. I think it started the year at 26 bucks. It's now trading under 10. And the question is, why would you pay for that help when you can just log on to, you know, Google's Bard or OpenAI's ChatGPT and get the same type of resource? Yeah, you know, so as a researcher, uh, I find it very helpful to have some of these large language model tools to help me sift through all the information that's out there Uh, when I'm doing like a a literature review. So if I'm going to be digging deep into a particular topic, I kind of want to know what have other people written about this. And I find some of those tools to be very useful to help summarize that information and maybe point me in the direction of uh, things that I want to dig deeper on. So it helps me with kind of the breadth, but then also identify where I want to go a little bit deeper. And so I can imagine that when it comes to like tutoring services, you know, why go someplace or pay for a service if you have some of these free tools available to you that honestly some can sometimes be pretty good. You do have to be careful, though. There's a whole hallucination effect with some of these large language models where it just makes stuff up. (laughs) And I encountered that where I was asking about uh, translating from one programming language to another, and ChatGPT gave me an answer. And when I tried it, I'm like, that function, that package doesn't even exist, but it just figured it should. And so it just (laughs) told me this is the way it should be. So you can't just take it as gospel truth, in other words, when you're using some of those. Yeah, it's the old saying, garbage in, garbage out. So you have to be very careful when you're actually querying it for information. But to your point then, Brian, you're using it as a productivity enhancing tool. Mm-hmm. And we look at productivity, I think since 2020, if you, we, we were looking at Fred, there's been a basically zero productivity ad in the economy. So you look at us going from no productivity gains to the prospect of future productivity gains that could be remarkable. It really could be. And I think that brings up some of the opportunities and threats from an economic perspective is that if you have artificial intelligence uh, really ramping up, helping with productivity, could that get us out of the slumber that we've been in from productivity growth? And the reason why economists, why we get excited about productivity growth is it really that's what helps raise living standards over the long term. You know, if you look at real wages, so what people make after adjusting for inflation, that is very highly tied to productivity growth. And so if you don't have a lot of productivity growth, you don't typically get a massive improvement in living standards. If you do get that ramp up, then it improves. Now, I this is where I start getting into then the threats uh, is 
Obviously, it's a process. People will be displaced. Their jobs, they will have to transform. It can be a painful process. So even though for the economy as a whole, people can benefit, there are individuals, there are persons who will unfortunately be displaced and perhaps suffer. And so there is that tension. It uh, it actually reminds me a little bit of uh, some of the, in 1987, Robert Solow, an economist, after about 10 years of hearing about the computer age, uh, he said the computer age is everywhere except for in the productivity statistics. The problem is, is he was only five years too early, right? So he just had to wait apparently 15 instead of 10 years to see it start showing up. And it does make me wonder if people might be getting a little ahead of themselves when it comes to what artificial intelligence might mean. You know, it's been around since the 1950s. It's just ramped up recently. And will this play out over the course of decades, years, or quarters? I don't know what you guys think about it, especially when you're thinking about it from a a business valuation perspective. Well, when you look at the anticipated growth rate for some of these companies and what they're guiding, it's not going to play out over quarters, but certainly years. And from a valuation perspective, it's clearly hitting the market in days. I mean, we're seeing these companies rally five to 30% in a given day. And some of that might be, I guess, exuberance. But there is a degree of truth here. The the question for us as analysts is what is that truth and where are the stocks relative to what they should be trading at? Yeah. You know, thinking back, uh, I think a lot of people are drawing analogies to the tech bubble, right? Seeing suddenly tech stocks rallying on the promise of future growth. Uh, One important distinction, I believe, is that some of these companies that have been doing quite well, they're at least profitable, aren't they? Unlike during the tech bubble days where it was people had to come up with unique valuation models like price per eyeballs instead of price per earnings. And they were all earnings. cross-selling each other. Yeah, and so you know, then it was like a hope and a prayer. But here, the hope might have a little bit more reasonable foundation, it seems like. Am I misguided on that? No, some of these businesses that are benefiting are some of the biggest generators of cash flow and free cash flow out there. It's disproportionately benefiting companies that tend to be mega capitalization. One of our opportunities has been small caps, and we're sticking with that based on the valuation discrepancy, coupled with some of the the drivers that we see for those businesses on a go-forward basis. But from an AI perspective, just listening to NVIDIA's call two quarters ago, they highlighted that the initial implementation is going to be very costly, meaning that these businesses that already have the cash flow, they're going to be able to implement it much faster and experience, you know, maybe benefit disproportionately and capture market share. And market share is kind of everything in this game, it seems like, when you're dealing with the scale of the opportunity. So is this, uh, will this be like a loss leader where they'll take losses on it initially just to get the market share and then hopefully capture more of it? But then it gets me thinking about, uh, is there going to be some regulatory pushback, antitrust legislation that would kind of step in and say, you know what, we don't necessarily remember the Wintel monopoly from years ago, right? Windows operating system with Intel chips, whatever happened with that? And will there be some sort of, I guess, reckoning if they try to be too aggressive with expanding their market share here? Well, we were talking about this on Thursday, and one of the biggest opportunities is for the lawyers (laughs) and for the politicians. You know, they're going to have a field day with this. And there's probably going to be some degree of or a significant degree of regulation that's going to impact these. What is that going to be? I don't know. But there are clearly 
companies that are already generating significant cash flow and free cash flow that are going to bootstrap AI quickly and they're going to try to capture share and that's going to come at the expense of someone. Yeah. And one of the interesting things I think is if we look at the average age of a company in the S&P 500, today it's around like 20 to 22 years old. Right. And so that wasn't even as of 2000. Right. So the average S&P 500 company was like born around 2001 to 2002. And so if you think about if we're projecting ahead multiple years, maybe the biggest beneficiary from a market perspective is a company that hasn't even been born yet. I think that's a very real possibility. I mean, markets thrive during periods of creative destruction. So Having the opportunity to see that play out and understand what qualities are going to lead to larger moats or the ability to capture share and grow at a more rapid clip are going to be key, as will, from an opportunities perspective, actively managing portfolios. I think that's a great way to kind of summarize it. It is the wave of creative destruction, and it's a fascinating and exciting thing to witness. And I wanted to turn it over to Danny, speaking of opportunities. I mean, one of the names that Brian and I have been discussing is Adobe. Have you seen some of the stuff from a like AI perspective that Firefly can do? Not yet, because I don't work in graphics. You know, I'm the audio guy. I know. However, um, <laughs> Greg, our director of marketing, Allie, one of our designers, are very excited about it. And Firefly is, is exactly that. I mean, pretty soon with just talking about... Uh voice. They're going to be able to record our voices. So when Danny wants to create a podcast, we won't even have to be in the studio. He'll just type up the <laughs> script and we'll be talking back and forth without even uh, having to wake up. It could even it could even intelligently generate a script for us so we don't have to do it ourselves. You know, it, could you imagine that? Is that why HR is outside this studio right now waiting for this to be over? You know, it is a little chilling and you, you mentioned that, that it, you know, it's people and, yeah. and people will be displaced and people will need to adapt. Many will not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the statistics are that today about 60 percent of the jobs that exist did not exist back in 1940. Right now, that played out over the course of now 80 plus years. What's going to ha- Will this play out over the course of 80 plus years or eight plus years? So, you know, it might be a compressed time frame, but people will be able to adapt. There will be resistance to it. But yeah, human capital, I think, is still going to be incredibly valuable to invest in. We're focused a lot on financial capital here, but human capital, you know, your ability to adapt to changing technology, changing markets, uh, I think is going to be really key going forward. And what's from a threat perspective, you think about who this disproportionately impacts, it's knowledge workers, it's mm-hmm. white collar workers, whereas in the past, the disruption was predominantly blue collar workers. And I heard this great analogy from Mike Green. I think he's uh, he works at Simplify ETFs. And he said back in pre-colonial America, the, basically the best job you could have was, in, was a translator to, to Native Americans. It, you helped to get inroad, find out how to survive, where people were that you can trade with. And it's like, you look at this economy, who's the translator? It's the person that can speak to machines. And all of a sudden, you're releasing a technology that can lead anyone to code. That is pretty incredible. And although, you know, if you think about, let's say, blacksmiths, right? That's a job that still exists, but it's a very high-skilled, 
it can be a very highly compensated job, but there are so many fewer of them. Most of the time, the jobs don't go away. They just shrink as far as a share of the overall number of jobs. So that's also an important dynamic is that, yes, the threat is real, but is it maybe a little overstated, not only in terms of the magnitude, but the time frame over which that threat will materialize? My brother is a software engineer, so he'll be happy to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) As we end the podcast, as we do on every single episode, we go around the room and we talk about our headlines. Guys, what is our headline strength this week? From an economics perspective, I think that the headline strength is that we've got a debt deal, but then that obviously translates into the threat about are they going to really seize defeat from the jaws of victory here? Headline weakness. Businesses that are displaced by artificial intelligence. What's our headline opportunity? Anything that's going to benefit, and there are a whole bunch of companies rallying on it, but I kind of like, I like the concept that artificial intelligence amplifies creativity. And our headline threat. Let's see what the Senate does. Do we get a, uh, a wall of a filibuster there when the debt deal gets to them? But we also do have some economic data as far as with the, the employment situation report coming out on Friday, showing probably a slowdown in job creation. A threat there is do we see some of the weakness that we've witnessed in manufacturing translate into weakness in services. So has services sector activity almost peaked here? Annex Wealth Management SWAT Podcast, Episode 53. Jason Cooper, Research Analyst, thank you. Thanks, Danny. Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist, Annex Wealth Management, thank you. Thank you so much. Annex Wealth Management, LLC, is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. The opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect on those of Annex Wealth Management, LLC. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice, or a recommendation or a solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risk. Neither Annex Wealth Management LLC nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.